Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Dr. Gidielis <laughs> Sanguinetti. Gidielis, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for you to tell your journey. You know, talk about your journey, becoming a doctor, and and because there's so many people you, we, we speak with, whether it's kids or or amb- ambitious students or even um, people b- beyond that who have this dream or this idea of being a doctor. And I think your journey and experience is going to help shed some light and help them even just to think through the process. So before we jump into the questions, okay. I want to make sure people know who you are, where you come from. So I'm going to go over your biography. All right. So Dr. GDL Sanguinetti is a pediatrician in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, she's affiliated with the University Health Systems. She was born and raised in Guayama, yes, Guayama. Puerto Rico. Dr. Sanguinetti received her bachelor's degree in biology from the University of Massachusetts in Amherst. Massachusetts in 2002 and her medical degree from the Temple University School of Medicine in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 2006. I didn't even know that. Good to know. She completed her pediatric medicine training at the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio in 2009, where she currently lives and practices pediatrics. Her love and passion for all children has taken her to use her medical knowledge and skills in the mission field with Hope Worldwide Community Service Brigades in Central America since the year 2012. Awesome service. She has truly become an international pediatrician. GDLs has a passion for personal, spiritual, and emotional growth, and she finds herself reading books about these topics. Professionally, she is working towards obtaining a certific- certification with the Institute of Functional Medicine in order to learn how to better serve her patients in achieving health in a truly holistic way. Personally, she's an active member of Mission Point Christian Church, where she serves in the Kids Point Sunday Bible Program. She has the heart of a coach and teacher, and she is committed to sharing her own healing story with the intention of inspiring others to embark on their own journey toward healing. In her spare time, she enjoys self-care activities like sleeping, getting massages, doing yoga at the Pearl, or taking walks in the park with her four-legged companion, Sunny Day. She also loves to travel, read, dance, and go to the beach. Again, (laughs) quite the biography. Welcome to the show. We are lucky and fortunate to be able to have you. I am glad, and it's my pleasure to be here. Yes. All right, so tell me about some, some of the, about the journey. So when did you first know you wanted to be a doctor? That was very early on. I had a grandmother who had diabetes, and I found myself going to the doctors a lot with her because my mom was her designated driver. Mm-hmm. And we find, after school hours, we find ourselves, me and my younger brother at the time, at doctor's offices, mm-hmm. two, three-hour wait times believe it but that I wasn't I didn't mind that or maybe my mom can share (laughs) a different story Um, but I didn't mind that because I love somehow going to see the interaction of the doctor with my grandmother and even on the other side my own pediatrician had an impact on me because he was fun it wasn't a threat to go. I wasn't afraid of, of it. I like even the smell of, I don't know if it was the alcohol or the, <laughs> the, the hospital smells to me. Sure, sure. It all sounded like science. I love the body. I love learning about anatomy, science. 
interacting with people hearing them listening and, and just trying to figure out what what was wrong or mm. what, how could you help i think yes. that attracted me very gotcha. much so it's it's what's fascinating is the way you describe what drew you to the profession is what i think you embody right like when it comes to somebody being non-threatening somebody yes. being down to earth somebody who who connects well and makes the experience um makes it an uplifting experience right yes. that, that, that's who I, I know you to be as your friend mm -hmm. and i think um it's it's fascinating to see that's what drew you to the profession yeah. along with the experience of, of really wanting to make a positive difference to help people in their journey i love it i love it <laughs> now um did, tell me did you, did you have any doubts in the journey of becoming a doctor <laughs> well i can tell you that yes I knew early on I wanted to be a doctor, but somehow between high school and going to college, my friends, I think I was a senior in high school, and some of my friends were taking chemistry. And I chose biology for some reason. I loved it. And, but my friends in, in the chemistry class, oh, it's so hard, it's so hard. I don't know. And I got scared. I mm -hmm. said, well, maybe I shouldn't do medicine because I know I'm going to have to do chemistry in college sure. and uh, and I got scared for some reason that added to the fact of how many years I have to study sure. I just want to get out and make money right so you, you kind of think that way sometimes yes and my dad said well why don't you do accounting I'm good with numbers I can do that sure so I went in, had my first my first year in college, A's all my tests and everything. And I said, I don't think I want to keep people's books mm -hmm. and accounting and mm -hmm. doing cash flow and debits sure. and credits. And I, I was good at it, mm -hmm. so the tests show, right? Mm -hmm. But I was missing that science and the, the the body and the physiology, the anatomy, and that's what my heart. Mm -hmm. felt like it was what, what would draw me more yes. to my calling. Mm -hmm. So I switched majors in second second year, sophomore year, and started doing biology as a batch, uh, for my bachelor. Mm -hmm. uh, towards Working towards the pre-medical requ uh, requirements to, to enter into medical school. Yeah, I did quite fine in chemistry. Mm -hmm. Plenty, not to brag, right, plenty right, of right. hundreds. And sure, awesome. I, I, I loved it, I really mm -hmm. did. I think part of me is probably because of my, my the coaching background is I, I love seeing people I don't love seeing people have doubts but I love seeing uh, people recognize and being aware of the doubts and then yes. overcome those doubts and then even how you, your story is you had the doubt you know got away from the doubt didn't face it but then you came back to face it and really you just conquered it yeah. you know you you conquered that what seemed like a mountain yeah. because people were kind of hyping it up, making yeah. it seem like it was a bigger beast than when it was. Yes. But you got a chance to just prove like, you know what, I got this. Yeah. And that goes to say to me that you shouldn't really be afraid of doing something just because somebody else found it hard. Right. You have to believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that I did fine in accounting and so they say it was hard because a lot of us complain, no, oh, that test and cash flows, did you balance that sheet out? It was like, and I was like, you just have to study, mm. right? And you do it. So if you put the effort, yes, the time, at least for me, it paid off. Mm. So once I said, I can do it mm -hmm. and I believe that yes. I could do it. That's right. No matter what I set my my mind to it, mm -hmm. I will do it. So right. I switched to what my heart really sure. 
was called to do, which was yes. medicine. And you can already hear the coach coming out of you. The coach is like, hey, you know, you just, if you just, if you just believe it, I mean, yes. you got to believe in yourself. And that's such a key component to achievements. You know, I mean, it's, it, it's very difficult to go through anything um, with being filled with doubt. Doubt and fear are ma major goal killers. Yes, goal killers. Yes, goal that's a killers. quote right there. Dream killers. Let's dream just killers. say that. Doubt and fear are dream killers. Yes. Okay. No, it's, it's specifically, it's something that if I can motivate or inspire people to yes. do is to get out of their mind, <laughs> out of their heads. Yes. And that's something I am by no means an expert on. I have to remind myself, okay, is this fear? talking to me a limiting belief yes because there's plenty of that oh, yes. we talk about it in the in the language that we use daily yes, yes. it's not even funny now it's it's i laugh because it's like um oh, I'm, I'm aware of that mm -hmm. and i said okay rewind do, 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 do. That's right. and That's then right. and just how can i say it so it so it says the truth and yes. it manifests at the same time yes you know, because it's if you keep saying something, repeating it, it's just gonna turn. Is that is what do they say? It's a fulfilling prophecy. Yes, yes. yes. There you go. That's right. That's right. No, so again, I'm so dumb. I'm I, so dumb. People, you know, when no, I hear people, I'm so dumb. Or right, this, right. Or, or I'm so lazy. Or I don't know. I don't like that. I'm like, yeah, you're not gonna like it because you'll keep saying you don't like it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yes. Maybe, no. Maybe again, you're, you're speaking my language. Again, the coaching—it's <laughs> it's, it's self awareness. You hit on. You hit on limiting beliefs. Yes. Uh, those are all key components that that um are vital in the venture of development and of growth and of, of, of high achievement is being aware. It doesn't mean, and it, it's not that we'll, we'll probably never get to the point to never have any um, limiting beliefs, uh -huh. but it's to be aware of them and to not allow those limiting beliefs to dictate what I think, what I say, and what I do. Yes. Um, but I, I think, again, I think you're, you're an example to that because there was that limiting belief there about mm -hmm. chemistry and the sciences. Being hard, yes. yes, yes. Everything being hard and and it, it was just not if if it's what you truly want to do which is an advice that will give to anybody if it's really what you truly want to do don't care about what other people say yes don't think about how hard it's gonna be just love what you're doing learn and never stop learning and just go for it that's right that's right so in that space you know you talked about um, hard things so when you reflect on medical school residency what was the most difficult part of that experience overcoming limiting beliefs Ooh, back to it okay yes. okay are you gonna break that down a little bit i can break it down i can give you an example yes so in my going from my second year to my third year in residency pediatric residency I would struggle in this particular rotation, the neonatal ICU. It's intensive, you know, seeing little tiny micro babies and having to learn to manage every little fluid, every little medicine that you give them. Anything could just be dangerous to mm -hmm. the baby, right? Sure, so sure. it's it's an intimidating setting out of all the rotations I did. So a lot of my insecurities and anxiety, I had like performance anxiety, I guess, trying to compare myself with this person who looks so confident and mm -hmm. all this or knows a lot. Sure. So I think it got to me and a few maybe 
I would say a few, not everybody. Attendings uh, were not so sure I was ready or that I was cut for it, right? Gotcha. And one particular attending sat down with me and she asked me, this is third year resident. I'm almost done, right? One more year. And she said, have you considered doing something else? Ooh. I got so angry. Sure, I bet. I mean, inside, I'm like, what is she asking me? It's like she's asking me to abort at eight months old. Mm. I mean, not eight months old, but eight months pregnancy, right? Sure, wow, wow. That is just, no, lady. <laughs> I didn't say any, any, anything to her, but I had to turn in what and say, this is what I want to do. Mm. I was on probation, mm. you know, so that could have ticked me off to quit and move on. And, and there was some of that when I was on probation. I had to take two months off mm-hmm. before I could go back to the probation and, 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 and complete it to graduate, right? Yes. Because I, I had to rest and go back to believing in myself, just recover, just have R&R, something. Yes. And, and, and it yes. did. When I came back, I, I, wor- I, had to, I had been working on this for those two months, mm-hmm. or at least the last month. Mm-hmm. I had to work on this and rely on one particular scripture that got me through it. And uh, and that is that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. If I am so, and if I believe I could do it, and it's what I want to do, I'm going to do it. So when I came back and I did the, the four months of probation, and basically everybody was watching me during that time. Any little move I did or did not do could count against me. Plus, I had to do some testing, achieve certain scores and all that. But a few of my attendings were saying, this is the GD that we wanted to see. Wow. Because I was taking over and I was taking lead. And so many people believe in me, but I had to believe in myself and not let that one particular attending, which... Mm -hmm. I did hear that she's rough on it, a lot of people, but sure. but I, if you let those people that are rough or that maybe don't know you well and what you're capable of doing, if you let them get to you, you will quit. Mm-hmm. You can quit. You have to believe in yourself. Yes. You're the only person. That's right. That's right. You know, the principle that came to me as you were telling the story was, was um, sometimes the key to success for this outward victory is this inward success the, the, the key to the, 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 the external success is the internal success and, and that internal success dictated the success you had on, on the outward because you're talking about that performance anxiety mm-hmm. which um again I, I hear this concept over and over again for these higher profile professions mm-hmm. when it's we're very anxious right because we're very perfectionists we want to mm-hmm. be perfectionists and that's not a good side sure because a lot of us end up being burned out with anxiety attacks mm-hmm. Yes. Tell you that. I mean, so I've heard that uh, over and over again from doctors, um, from attorneys especially, Warriors, yeah. and then they, they feel this adi- extra pressure, not from, from just from themselves, maybe their superior, and then from their peers, and then from even society, because it's like society expects them, they expect them like almost like superhuman. Yes, mm-hmm. I think that's a misconception that mm-hmm. a lot of people have. Uh, you know, for me as a doctor. Uh, I had to take some time off recently, and uh, some people were asked when I came back, it's like, are you the, 
they were asking me, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I had to take some time off. I was, uh, my health started suffering. I was like, really? I feel like they just, some people don't believe that we get sick too. Sure, right, 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 I've heard that, that before. We are humans, that we have low moments and even depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. I share it with my patients. I shared, I've been diagnosed with attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder and as a pediatrician i mean i i treat a lot of that mm -hmm. and when i share the kids that i have been diagnosed with that then i took medicines for it for a while i think it changes the dynamic because it makes makes them see me as somebody that can relate yes. and i can connect with them and yes. i can i can encourage them to work hard right. you know that this is oh if she has it and she became a doctor i could be whatever I want to that's and right. I, that's what I want my my children and by my children I don't have children right? my uh, biological but I have so many patients that I want them to believe that that mm -hmm. if they can if they want something to go after it not let the limiting beliefs or a diagnosis yes. to stop them because many uh, times we rely on the diagnosis mm -hmm. oh I have this and this so I should get you know this better treatment or I don't know I sometimes I think we need to overcome those and, and not identify so much with it. Yes. Because then we become it. Mm -hmm. Man, uh, I think we, we can do a whole <laughs> podcast on that right there. We, part two. Part two. <laughs> hey, part two. I, I'm willing to do part two. Yes, yes. Hey, she said it right here. So she's committed. She's committed. Um, no, I think uh, I, I think I grabbed a lot of uh, principles that, that you were sharing there. I think what I value about what you said is about the connection that you make and because as you and I know, the profession has expectations for you. Mm -hmm. And then what could be that the, the tendency is, well, if they think that I'm perfect, then I'm gonna keep showing them that I'm perfect. Yes. But then when you said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be real and authentic yes. and share with you my authentic struggles that I face in my health journey, yes. then it creates connection. And, and what, what yes. I've learned in the communication journey is, is there, the willingness that suffering is universal. Oh, totally. So it doesn't matter who you are. No. You know, you can be, the, again, the highest educated person in the room or you can be the lowest educated person yes. in the room or the richest person or the poorest. Yes. Suffering is universal. And now it's a, my choice if I happen to choose to share with you what some, some of the things I'm wrestling mm -hmm. with and suffering. But you, in your journey, have said, you know what? I want to connect with my the people who are coming for me to serve mm -hmm. as their pediatrician, as their doctor. And I'm going to share some of my suffering with them yes. to have the connection. Yes. I totally agree. And I would recommend anyone to read or search the work of Brené Brown on vulnerability. Yes. Because that's that's what really makes us human. Being vulnerable about our struggles and our suffering. Because like you said, suffering is universal. But it doesn't have to be a bad thing. If we share it and we learn yes. and we, we see it, we find we have to find meaning in that suffering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's another book. Yes. Oh, gosh. That's, I just read good. it last that's year. That, that uh, Men's Search for Meaning by okay. Viktor Frankl. All right. Um, All right. If a guy who spent about three years in Auschwitz camps, uh, concentration camp, mm -hmm. Nazi concentration camp, can find meaning. Yes all that he saw and that's that he right. went through right. and survived mm -hmm. I think we can do it too yes no it's right, it's right. <laughs> we can do it, it too it's right and what, what even as, as a communicator and as a speaker I know 
I might be asked to speak somewhere because of success I had or because of effectiveness. And those, those things aren't bad, but I know I'm going to draw the crowd in if I talk about my struggles. Yes. So people actually, and tell me what you've seen in this, is people actually want to hear the success stories that you have to share, but they'll want to hear it so much more if you tell them to struggle first. So the struggle is like, hey, I'm a human being like you. Yeah. Now, in being a human being and in my struggles, I've found principles that have helped me succeeded, but if I'm willing to share about weaknesses, hardships, difficulties, insults, yes. oppositions that I face, yeah. then all of a sudden I'm connected and now I actually have the ability Connection. to connect and then lift you with the success principles I'm about to give you. Yes. Um, but yeah, again, I think that's, that's, that's great. Finding meaning in the I'm gonna say mess. Put an M on yeah. there. Me meaning in the meaning mess. Meaning in the mess. Finding <laughs> meaning in the mess. In the mess of life. Yes. It's beautiful. Uh -huh. <laughs> it is. Now, so, so, so when somebody comes up to you and says, GD, uh, you know, hey, I, I wanna be a doctor. And what what advice do you give? What warnings do you give? What do you what so what are some of even the thoughts you have in in your response? Right away. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't do it. No, no. Don't do it. <laughs> No, I, I really, well, one thing, with any high-end profession, yes. sometimes we think, or we can go, I'm going to make money, right? Mm -hmm. That's another thing. A lot of people think that doctors make a lot of money. Yeah, some doctors do more than others. It, it's They're not all paid the same. And a pediatrician is sort of at the low end of Didn't the market. Didn't know that. Gotcha. I, I think it is, but... It's still good money. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not complaining. We're, we're middle class there, but more blessed than a lot of people. Sure, sure. So, so, but if you're doing it because of the money, you're, you're just gonna mm. not survive. Wow. I mean, maybe if you're a master surgeon, you, know, mm -hmm. you like it in this. <laughs> but I don't know. Because <laughs> you see so much... Well, not just suffering, but you are hearing people all day come to you with their problems or yes. they want something to be fixed or it's not just the pill. You have to listen. You have to know that as a doctor, people look up to you for yes. advice on how to get better, how to heal. And I, what I've discovered in the last 10 years after I got out of residency that we become, or the, the, the medicine field has become a pill for an ill kind of mm. model. And I didn't, I didn't like that. I, didn't, Wait, I wasn't... Tell us about that. What do you mean pill for an ill? So pe pe people who don't know what that means, <laughs> to, to tell us what that is. Pill for an ill. Okay, you come in, oh, if you come in, for example, stomach, uh, acid reflux. Um, yeah, I've been experiencing this after you eat. Yes, some of the good doctors will try to ask a lot of questions, but in the... In I'm not gonna say, <laughs> but, I'm gonna say. but in the the models that we we have right now, a lot of doctors are seeing patients in less than 20 minutes because they have so many patients mm -hmm. to see because yeah. of reimbursement. You know, there's a whole other issue, and they're great doctors out there. Don't get me wrong, but but if you want to really get to the bottom of something, if a person like I had a kid, um, let me tell you an example. I had a kid, a uh, teenager, came in with nausea. If I'm just in my, I gotta end in 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Okay, you have nausea. Okay, here's a, a, a you know, where you're having symptoms of fever. I try to find out that it's not an infection first, and if it's not, then 
or if it is, I, I, I can treat that or tell you, you know, go home, rest, yes, take yes. some fluids, and it'll go away. But I had to sit down and find out because it was episodic. What's going on that yes. you're having nausea and maybe some symptoms of reflux, if I remember correctly? Mm-hmm. I could have gotten her some Pepsid or Nexium, the purple pill, right? No, I don't have no <laughs> no subscriptions to that. Or okay, that. Yeah, no, I got you. I, 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 I don't, I don't, don't really know what it means. Like, no. But um, but I had to listen. She was anxious. Mm-hmm. She was anxious f- from something. Mm-hmm. School starting, dance yes. squad, and all of that. And it was around that. And I think she was putting a lot of pressure on it because her mom was sort of putting pressure on sure, her. Sure, sure. But it took me 40 minutes to wow. get to that. So here I am having two or three patients after her, and then the other patients are maybe mad yes. <laughs> because I'm making them wait. Oh, but I'm trying to not prescribe a pill for an ill when all she needed was relaxation technique, mm. which I got to do. Yes. Breathe in, breathe out, mm-hmm. feel yourself and relax. I mean, it, it is not a pill what she needed. Mm-hmm. It was listening. Yes. And maybe show her how to relax. See, I want everybody to listen. Listen to what she said about listening. Because she just said, you know, so she's a doctor. <laughs> Judy Adams is a doctor, but she said one of the, the most powerful things she did is a relaxation technique that anybody can do. Yeah. Right? And there's there's power in that. There's power in the beauty of listening yes. and connecting. And I appreciate I, I think, I, again, when on the patient side, nobody likes waiting, right? I don't think anybody no. likes with anything. Food, movies, doctors. But knowing that there's somebody there who's looking out for the best interest of the yes. person, it means a lot. Yes. So I'm, I'm sorry, I might have derailed your, um, the, the conversation because we were talking about the advice you give. So we said, oh. we, we said one, we said, um, if yeah, it's about the money, you're probably not going to survive. Oh, yes. And then you said two, you were talking about the industry and about the um, pill for an ill. So I asked yes. you to break that down. And then so I'm trying to bring oh it back. Oh, my gosh. Now, how, how do I get <laughs> Right, right, right. But so I guess back to the advice. Any advice to, you would offer to? Well, it, it, it is in that realm. It's not, if, don't make it about the money. Yes. Just make it about connecting with people, helping people. If that's your passion, then go for it. If it's not your passion, you just want to make money, don't do that because that, that does a disservice to the people you're going to be treating. Wow. And it, I, think it per, I think it may perpetuate the illness because we're not listening we're not taking care of the, the whole patient holistically yes. and we're gonna be going into a disease model of basically chronic disease this is a big it's a big deal mm-hmm. chronic disease and it's just a huge expense for the medical community or the medical uh, field and people are not getting better mm-hmm. just with pills yes let's just say that i like it i like it so it, i know simon sinek says find your why and I say magnify a motivation that matters. Like, why are you doing this? And that's what I'm hearing from you is if people want to be a doctor, well, why do you want to be a doctor? Just because of the money? Like, <laughs> that's not going to last. There's a lot of things you can do for yeah. money mm-hmm. that doesn't involve helping people. But mm-hmm. this is one of those professions that helping people has to, what I'm hearing from you is it has to be the core of who you are yes. and what you want to be about because any other motivation is really not yeah. going to help you. Well, and Simon Sinek does say that once you do it, what? Your why, you're taking action, the money's a side effect, right? Mm. The money is, right. comes as a... <laughs> the coaches keeps going out of you. I know, Simon see? Sinek. And <laughs> who else are we going to bring in? Hey, I know, I know. Uh, but to finish a yes. little bit of that, 
on the advice that I would give to somebody else. You know, don't do it for the money. Yes. Be a good listener. Mm-hmm. Be a coach. Don't just do the paternalistic thing. Take this and do this and do this. No, be a coach. Try to find out how they can bring healing to themselves. Because for everybody, it's different, right? So for some people, they might need a pill because they believe in the medicine. But some people don't believe in medicine. And you prescribe them. So many people I have met that the doctor prescribed me this pill, but I don't know what it's supposed to do, and I didn't want to take it. Or I took it one day, it made me feel like weird, and I didn't take it. Yes. And it, no advice was given, right? So be a coach or a teacher. Educate people about it. Um, another thing that I could say, be a role model, be an example take care of yourself Ooh, yes if you yes, cannot yes. take care of yourself sleep your eight hours or whatever you tell your patients to do right mm-hmm. do not drink too much do not smoke mm-hmm. eat healthy eat healthy uh-oh i have seen not to put my colleagues out there <laughs> but i have seen some of the doctors i have worked with in life and don't get me wrong in medical school i rush and everything but I, I wish I knew more about how the effects it could have yes. have on your health which we all know in general yes. but not in detail I think we, we, we're not so aware of really the repercussions of it over time mm-hmm. eating healthy and in medical school I did not get many hours of nutritional education and that's one thing that's very low right now I think naturopathic doctors get a lot more and chiropractors so I think they're more you know more knowledgeable on that mm-hmm. but i think we don't have that much education we rely on the nutritionist around the hospital mm-hmm. or if your clinic is lucky to have a nutritionist right right but when we tell our patients to eat healthy are we eating healthy mm-hmm. yeah, right mm-hmm. come christmas we're eating all the all the bad stuff san antonio the tamales well, and- <laughs> at, at my clinic right we're making a party we're telling all the people to like eat healthy we see all people with diabetes and then we're just I don't even know what they bring. I don't. <laughs> right now, I got you. Pies and pies and pies, but yes. just be a role model for the people that you're trying to help as well. Mm-hmm. So, wow, I, I think I think those are great tips. So if I, if I, if I grab those right, it's it's don't do it because of the money. Don't do it because of the money. <laughs> then it's um, coaching. So learn coach. learn how to like help people. Yeah, and, and asking the questions, like to, to learn that, I guess that's the soft skill, right? To learn the soft skill uh, needed in the profession and to take care of you. And I think those three takeaways are huge. Well, what are you? You're a coach, right? That's right, that's right. So what are you, what does that mean to you for your clients? Mm-hmm. Right, so it, so um, my style, it's, it is non-directive yeah. in that I'm asking questions for them and often they're high performers already. Yeah. And so I'm taking high performers to get to that next level of, of, of performance. But, but it is asking those questions that help them come into the awareness, awareness. of those limiting beliefs or of what they're trying to get to. Yeah. And sometimes they'll like, oh, well, I want to extend, you know, I have a client who's, I'm, I'm her business coach for her law practice. And what does she want to do? She wants to expand. She wants to grow. Yeah. She wants to have more clients. All right. Let's look at your existing clientele. So we're going we're gonna to take a diagnostic of your existing clients, see where they're coming from. Yeah. And we found out 50% were coming from one great relationship with another attorney all right so 50 percent of your clients are coming from one great relationship with another attorney so for the coach i'm i'm saying well what are you seeing like we can focus your efforts anywhere 
but what if we just found you a few more great relationships with other attorneys who have too many clients mm. who are going to be feeding you for the, for the rest, mm. you know, the next 10, 20 years. So anyway, but it's, it's, it's the, the soft skill of asking the questions. <laughs> right, right. Um, but and that's, that's all it is. And then getting into the goals of, all right, so when are you going to begin connecting with a new attorney? Yeah. How are you going to maintain that existing relationship uh-huh. with the other attorney? But it just ask, is this a soft skill of asking well, questions? I think the, the coach, it's all about finding out the strengths mm-hmm. of the person, yes, right? Yes, And make helping them strengthen them more. That's right? right, that's right. And there's some weaknesses that you could work on, but you would rather spend your time in strengthening the weaknesses yes. and accepting the weaknesses and maybe figuring out how you can those how you, you can how, how you can balance those out mm-hmm. or how you can have somebody else help you with exactly your weaknesses right. Right? exactly right but for the patient you have to diagnose okay once you have a diagnosis i don't know gastroesophageal reflux or reflux disease whatever mm-hmm. well, what is bringing all that the root cause we don't try to dig in into the root cause all stress yeah but what is stress mm-hmm. and then but it takes skill to listen yes. and to spend time and we don't have that necessarily right. in 20 minutes. So, but if I if I do bring that out, it's like, okay, what do you want to get better? Another question you have to ask the patient is, what's your meaning? Do you have a meaning mm. in life? Do you have a meaning to get better? Because once you find a meaning to get better, you will do whatever it takes, right? Mm. Many people, I think, find it in, uh, at the time they have cancer because I think it's a little bit more, you know, scary. Mm, sure. And they want to live up to that point it's like I want to do whatever I haven't done or because I think they find really what truly is more meaningful in life and they want to do whatever it takes I think cancer is one of those big diagnoses that can Mm -hmm. change people or really you know finish ending them Mm -hmm. but I I think coaching them is just trying to find out what do they want to live for and what do they want to get better for because it's not my plan I can prescribe you a pill that's right that's right but are you gonna take it? Because mm. if you're not gonna take it, maybe it's just because it's not important to you. That's not what's gonna heal you. Then. That's right. That's right. So. Yes. Yes, I'm with it. Yeah. You know, if you wanna become the the best shooter, you're not gonna go. I don't know. Do tennis balls or. Right, <laughs> right, right. You know, you wanna shoot the basket. Mm. You, you don't want. You, you know, you hit so many great coaching principles. Um, one, finding that motivation or that meaning. Um, you also mentioned focusing in on your strengths. Yes. Not your weaknesses, and that's. You know, because when I, when I, think I first started out, my, even my educational journey, I was like, maybe I want to be a counselor or a therapist. But then I quickly was like, no, I don't think that's, that's my gift because there's so much in that space. Personally, as I saw a lot of focus on the weakness. Nothing wrong with it. Um, for, I think there's great people that are in that role. But in the coaching role, I get a chance to focus in on people's strengths and helping these high achievers to become even better. And which, again, it just drew me in that space. But again, I think you have some great solid um, coaching principles which is which is no, no surprise you're getting into that as well like yes. from that holistic perspective you know you're getting certified and licensed with john maxwell here in the next i will i will do it this year it'll <laughs> happen right. love it i love it okay so i mean maybe you've already hit this but, but what would you say is the most rewarding part of being a pediatrician a pediatrician specifically so many scenes come to mind First one I can think of is the innocent smile of a six-month-old, for example. Mm-hmm. There, between four and six months, a child is getting that 
strong social smile mm-hmm. and that giggle. So I think mm-hmm. those are those are that's very rewarding to see in more than one baby, you know, more than more than one sometimes a day mm-hmm. in different babies, different shapes and sizes and colors, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's rewarding. The second thing is to see kids grow yes. and develop. Just seeing that journey because as a parent, you see them every day. As a doctor, I see them every so often, so I get to see the changes. Mm-hmm. They're more apparent to me. And seeing that is just a reminder of life and growth and development yes. and giving the appropriate things at the right time just can help shape a life. Mm-hmm. And that's the third thing I have an o- the third thing that comes to mind that I have the opportunity to influence yes. the parenting of families that I see hopefully influence them yes inspire them to just do whatever it takes to develop the little brain of their kid Mm -hmm. and my goal will be just to even also I have to work on the parent too you know not many people like to do pediatrics because they don't want to Oh, that's why people don't like coaching too. Well, true. <laughs> well, uh, sport, athletic coaching. Oh, <laughs> that kind of thing. But you, you're dealing with minds, and mm-hmm. some of these parents have had their own journey and trauma and yes. dysfunctional families, and also trying to find out how that can affect the ch- my patient, the child, because ultimately the child is my patient. Yes. And I'm trying to help them, but in order to help them, I have to figure out the parent a little bit as well. And you know, that's yes. that's a, 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 a another topic in there. But the opportunity that I have to influence, it, it's it's rewarding mm-hmm. in it of itself. Yes. And even more rewarding is when I do get the families saying, "We miss you. Where were you?" They're asking my, like I said, I took some time off and I. People were asking for me, mm-hmm. seeing that, or even seeing a child. Oh, here's Dr. Sanguinetti. Well, Dr. S, because they call me Dr. S. Some of them can pronounce my name, and that's also very rewarding. <laughs> but they know be my name. Or when they're sick, they tell a parent, I want to go see Dr. S. Uh, so that, hearing that from the parents sure. when they tell me is, is rewarding. Yes. It tells me that I'm doing a good job. That's right. No, I, I, I think that the feedback is, is precious you sharing about watching them grow and develop again maybe i have my coaching lenses on but i'm just hearing a bunch of coaching phrases come from you so again it makes we perfect sense that you're a doctor and perfect sense that you're pursuing coaching and and, do, and do, doing that space because the thing as coaches we love development we love people seeing we love progression we love growth we love all of those synonyms that go along with those you know blossoming and flourishing you know we just get a get a big kick on that and then seeing the parents too, you know, people have said that people value money almost more than anything, but but most people still don't value money above their kids. So for a parent to say, you know, you made an impact with the most precious category of my life, which is my children, you know, it, it speaks volumes about how effective you are at connecting and making a positive difference with them. So awesome. I, I love hearing about the rewarding components to your, to your journey. Um, now... So let's change things a little bit. Um, what disadvantages did have you experienced in being Latina and becoming a doctor? Latina in medicine. Women in medicine. Mm-hmm. Plus Latina. Yes. I don't 
don't think I see many disadvantages. Mm -hmm. I particularly see more how advantageous it was in my case. Sure. I think. In, 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 tell us about that. Okay. In college, there there is certain programs that as a pre-med student you can participate on you know summer research internships but on top of it they have a lot of those in grants and scholarship for people of my uh, minority right people of color or, or or belonging to any minority and latinos hispanics we are a minority even though i think we take over the half of the, half of the united states but but in in, in representation representing in professional careers, for example, in medicine or law school, I think there were a lot of programs. And I took advantage of anything that I could get my hand off. Scholarships, uh, summer programs, research. And that exposed me, taught me, sharpened skills. It, it, it deepened the, the calling and deepened the, the, the desire of doing medicine, which is what I wanted and it helped me I think the last time the, my last college year that that after graduation over that summer I participated on a pre-medical board review for the MCAT the medical college admission test mm -hmm. and I didn't pay for any of that nice. it, just, it was there so and even going into medical school I tell you another that MCAT, that test, everybody's like, oh, it's so hard. And you go through through the fear of you're not going to make it into medical school because that silly test yes. that may not say anything on how good of a doctor you're going to be, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. So to, to get into medical schools, you are a good candidate if you score a 30-something. Mm -hmm. I had a 21 in my second trial. Mm -hmm. So... But I think what put me in, what is it, runner up, in the runner up, in the running, my GPA, yes, I had a good GPA, but also the, the schools that I applied to, I, I, I made sure they had a good minority recruitment yes. component and, and they wanted minorities in their school, mm -hmm. right? And that's how I ended up in Temple University. We had a strong minority recruitment program and to this day, I have, you know, met so many great, great uh, friends through, through that program and even got to do a lot of leadership with that once in school. I think that's what got me into school, that being a minority yes. and my GPA, because the MCAT was not really good, but it didn't really say anything mm -hmm. about my, my qualities or my potential of being a doctor mm. it's just it, 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 i didn't i didn't let her i didn't let it get to me yes. basically you i'm know, glad i did you know and i think that then there's um i think there's an effect there's effective principles in there because bringing back to the limiting beliefs which was you know sometimes we might look at our, our own background and go oh, well man it's gonna hinder me i'm maybe I'm the first one in my family or i'm, the, I'm mm -hmm. the first one of the people that i know who's really trying to come from this background and to to reach to this another level that really no i don't see any peers here with me right mm -hmm. now but then really is it gonna be harder is it will it be harder for me to go through this journey of medical school becoming a doctor but you're saying it, it, it wasn't just hard it, 
you said I had more advantages and, and opportunities and options because people were targeting mm-hmm. minorities. So it gave you all the more advantages to be from where you're from. Take the hand, <laughs> grab it and pull and, uh-huh. and, and take advantage of it and be yes. proud of your culture. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud. I, I would not negate that I'm Latina. Mm-hmm. It's brought me many advantages. Yes. And once in school, who wanted the Spanish-speaking medical student to go do the interview mm. to the patient? Yes. It was me. Mm-hmm. The, the, the labor and delivery, I was the number one nice. cheerleader for puja, puja, you know, like push, push. <laughs> it was just funny. It was funny. And I, I was many times a not just a medical student, but a messenger of some yes. sort. But it gave me exposure to, right. to interact more with patients. And I got a lot of people calm down because I could explain better what the doctor was saying mm-hmm. instead of using a translator over the phone. Yes. So I saw it as an advantage. I had a few attendings here and there make fun of my accent, but I got over that. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I love hearing about that. Um, they're, not, they're not disadvantages. They're advantage, advantage, advantages. And you've seen them that way, maximizing those is really paid off for you. Mm. And you mentioned one of these earlier, this next question about misconceptions. So what misconceptions do people have about doctors? You mentioned- And we don't get sick. We don't get sick. <laughs> or that we don't get like cancer or something, I don't know. Um, uh, you mentioned money earlier. That, that we make a lot of money or that we're rich, like we're millionaires. Mm-hmm. And, and potentially we could if we use better our money and instead of going crazy and buying more stuff mm-hmm. and paying for trips and sure. cars and you know be mm-hmm. living the luxurious life just we make good money but we're not millionaires mm-hmm. at least not not i i got you no you know I, I i talk about this idea often because um because i believe in bringing people around me that are bigger bigger better uh-huh. and that are smarter and faster uh-huh. because i know when i'm around them it's, it makes me bigger. It makes me yeah. better. It makes me smarter. It makes me faster. As I get around people who are are ahead, but and I make that point because I bring millionaires around me. Because I'm not a millionaire, but if you gave me a choice of being one versus not being one, I would choose being one every single time. Sure. Why and not? and, and it's, it's helped me too with the misconceptions because I've I've learned along the way that some of the misconceptions people even have about millionaires. I was like, yeah, some of them are the most generous people, the most yes. sacrificial, serving people that yes. I know. So no, again, again, I I don't think there's anything. Um, I think it's noble because it can be, uh, to me, I, I heard money is like the great exaggerator. It exaggerates who yeah. you are. So if yeah. you're generous right now. Well, there's plenty of people that have made money and have not know how to manage it and lose it all, right? Mm-hmm. But if you, if you, I, I like to listen to Tony Robbins when mm-hmm. it comes to money. You know? mm-hmm. He's made great millions and billions of money in so many companies but i think he always said he wants he likes to give and yes. he wants to give back more and i think that's that's one of the things once i started working in medicine and not living on that resident salary anymore and now i'm on a doctor's salary single no children i had a debt and i paid it off over seven years i'm already hey, debt free let's go we're gonna high yes, five on that one yes <laughs> debt free and yes. I started doing more mission trips. Last year I did five Come on. five missions. They're awesome. short. They're yes. short. But it's something that I wanna do and give back that way. Give God back all the mm-hmm. 
mm. all the skills that he allowed me to have. Yes. Use it for him, right? Right. I I want to do it. Mm -hmm. I want to keep doing that. Yes. Making a difference international. 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 Um, international pediatrician. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that. Yes, that's right. Keep, put that on the resume, yes. uh, on the portfolio. Uh -huh. Okay, so you had misconceptions. Now, we'll, we'll talk one more question before we, we bring it in um, for, for a close here. Um, who influenced your growth the most in your professional and personal journey? So many people, and I had a hard time probably picking out one. You know, my parents supportive the best way they could yes. in, in my growth. Never told me not to do anything I wanted to. That That's for sure mm -hmm. one, or, you know, both of them, or my family in general, believing in me. And second, well, the first one is Jesus. Course. Go, <laughs> the Jesus. great physician, <laughs> that's right, that's right. human. I I could not do anything, you know, without his example. But one particular person that helped or was key instrument in helping me go through medical school and even in residency was uh, uh, a counselor I started seeing back in medical school. Because I, 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 as I said before, I I had some performance anxiety. I started having some. Mm -hmm. I had some health issues, and when all those started, the the mental part, the anxiety and the, mm -hmm. and the depression, all set in. Her name is uh, Asha Dr. Asha George Geiser. She's based in Philadelphia, and I would I would go see her every two weeks. She gave me some great coaching, work with my emotional, mm -hmm. my limiting beliefs, my emotional setbacks yes. my my rationale my thinking that that will get me into you know loops of self-defeat and also got me introduced into neuroscience and neuropsychiatry and the the way the way the mind is so key to our well-being mm -hmm. working with the mind mind working with the traumas that uh, you know that you experience whether it be physical or emotional spiritual whatever negativity you've been exposed to you know i, I guess i could call it a trauma anything that you as a child too that you got exposed so many kids mm -hmm. they, they say one of the number one disease triggers is adverse childhood events adverse wow. child, that's there's a study actually mm -hmm. that that significantly say that adverse childhood events and by that I mean you know physical or emotional abuse or traumas like being exposed to violence and, and uh, wars or things like that have an impact on your well-being as an adult yes and asthma diabetes wow. depression and it doesn't have to be just depression and anxiety asthma diabetes because all of that trauma your nervous system takes it and it stores it you don't process it well it's gonna come the, your body's trying to scream trying to come out yes. somehow so oh. it comes in something so that it's been very she was the one that i think opened that mind and that door for me i think it would eventually would have happened but i think it was with her as yes. i as i started reading some of the books she would recommend i got into a journey of searching and 
finding this doctor and hearing this doctor and their and their experiences with patients and it's just brought me to the whole mind body spiritual healing portion mm-hmm. it's so important yeah so important it's not just a pill that's right no that's right and what, what i'm hearing from you is there is such significance and uh, considering the people who've influenced you, you know, you, 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 you describe your parents, of course, Jesus, you describe um, this, uh, this, this, this counselor. A coach. He was a coach, you know, really, this really guiding you and being a game changer. She was, she was, she was a game changer, right? She made that mm-hmm. a massive difference in your life, which I love hearing those stories. I think I always get motivated in that space. The very last question I want to ask you mm-hmm. is your favorite time together with your, your mom and your dad. My mom and my dad. Yes. Well, I come always to the memory of the one vacation that we took together in Disney World. Yes. It was, it was, wait, it's Disney World and we were all excited. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember, you know, both of my parents being there together as a family and having the first roller coaster ride with my dad mm-hmm. i think I, I don't know if he remembers that i do but he was there and um just the journey of going on vacation together that was we didn't have a chance to really take many of those but mm-hmm. that one was memorable yes and one thing that we would do a lot that also was fun was to go to the river and my dad likes to fish for these little crab looking thing called guavaras mm-hmm. and when some of my half brothers would come visit we would go with him to fish for these things i didn't like to go into the rocks to do that particularly but i love him to kind of seeing him going on the rocks and just mm-hmm. getting getting those and involving my brothers in it i was just bathing in the river in the water in the cool water in in puerto rico actually mm-hmm. This was in Puerto Rico. Yes. So that's that's the one, the, those the vacation and going to the river with my family. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing. And and let me say thank you once again for being on the show. And I will say this: that you have an open invite. Whenever you want to come back, you just let All me right. know, and we can get into coaching. We talk about your journey. We talk about it's a bunch of we we had to talk about and, yes. and expound upon on little things we kind of touched on today. I'll um, be happy to. Yeah, so for people tuning in, I want to let you know that you're listening to the Strong Life Coach Podcast. <laughs> I'm here with Dr. Yidielis Sanguinetti. And uh, if you're tuning in, let me let me give you a great encouragement. Take this podcast and share it with somebody who can benefit from it. Yes. So comment on it. Give it the five-star rating over on Apple Podcasts. Give it a like. And uh, remember to subscribe. Thank you. <laughs>